Hi friends, welcome to Womankind. Uh, I'm here today for the first time in a couple of months that we have some time to talk about some of the things that have been happening in the news. So we are recording here on a Sunday morning. We got an extra hour last night, so we're feeling fresh. Um, and a couple days from now is election day. So I just want to start with a little PSA. Uh, I know it's not a midterm year, it's not a presidential election year, but every election day is important, so make sure that you get out there and vote. Um, so women are running for office in record numbers this year, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, and I'm not saying that you should vote for someone just because they are a woman. You should vote for the candidate who you think will do the best job. But this is where it starts, at the local level, um, at the, the most basic level, women getting into the arena and then slowly working our way up. So make sure you get out there and vote on Tuesday. Um, another thing that has been in the news lately that you probably have heard about unless you have been living under a rock um, are the Harvey Weinstein allegations. Um, if you're not sure what has happened, Harvey Weinstein is basically a um, movie producer mogul type um, really at the top of the food chain in the movie industry. Um, and many women have come out in recent weeks with allegation, rape allegations against him, sexual abuse allegations against him. Um, and he has been removed from his position in the company, which was his own company, um, and removed from several boards as well. And I just want to comment on that because I think that this is, again, where it starts where I think we're seeing a cultural shift right now um, where, you know, if this were maybe 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, if these allegations came out against him, he would remain in his position. So I think that's something really positive um, in our culture that someone who has been accused of this has been swiftly removed from his position. So I'm here with my guest today, Brittany Heller. So Brittany, do you have any comments on that? Um, I do, I do. It's um, extremely troubling. Um, I know that there was a huge uh, push on social media, the Me Too efforts. I don't know if you, yes, if you saw that. The hashtag Me Too, yes. um, which outlined, uh, well, many women were reposting this and telling their personal stories um, in an effort to show everyone on social media how many women this actually happens to. Absolutely. Um, I, I think it was wonderful. Um, personally, I kind of experienced some PTSD when it when it was up. Mm -hmm. I, I recently had um, uh, an encounter last February when I was in the Bahamas, and it was um, it was very traumatic for me. Um, so I think it was good, um, but it also I also felt the pressure to mm -hmm. kind of come out and to say something and. Um, I think what people need to realize is that when it's their time to share, it's their time to share, um, and that um, you know either way, it's it's wrong and it needs to be discussed. So, and that definitely was a criticism that the the Me Too campaign kind of had that it it was good for people to see who maybe didn't have an awareness of how prevalent the problem is, but at the same time, like you said, people felt tremendous pressure to come forward with some of the things that have happened to them. And, and like you said, it, sh it should really be when someone is comfortable. And something that I've thought about through this whole process is how we treat victims. I mean, obviously I've thought about that a lot before, but specifically how we treat people and think about people who don't speak up. There's kind of this like aura around people who speak up as these 
powerful, strong people, which they absolutely are, and I commend them for what they have done coming forward because they're putting themselves in the spotlight in a way um, where they're getting a lot of attention that is negative. Um, But I think there is still a strength in the people that don't come forward because they are carrying these horrible feelings around them. Absolutely, and and I'm one of those people. So I um, am a very opinionated person. Um, I'm pretty much an open book. But um, when I experienced what I experienced, um, I didn't. I didn't go to the police. I didn't go and and I. I felt a sense of guilt. I, I did, and I, I. You know, before this situation, I would. I was always a a big pusher of. You know, you need to say something. This could happen to somebody else. Um, but there was a sense of guilt. I was um, intoxicated when it happened, um, and it was something that I would say alcohol was what saved me and also, you know, helped to get me in that situation to begin with. Um, But it was actually after it happened that um, it was most troubling when I went to talk to two of the girls that I went to the Bahamas with. Um, They they didn't know how to act. And then about a day later, they came forward and said, you know what, Brittany, we got to apologize when you you know, you were intoxicated and we thought that maybe you just had taken things too far and maybe were regretting decisions made, which made me sick to my stomach because that's just not who I am. I was in a long-term relationship at the time and that wasn't something that, you know, I was going to do. Another kind of sad part of all of it was um, there were people from Canada in the Bahamas that were staying next to us and had overheard the conversation. Um, So they had known what happened to me and they, you know, didn't know me from off the street. Um, and they came over to talk to me about it. And, um, what was another troubling thing was, was that the, it was a family of four and the father said, you know what, if I were you, I wouldn't tell your, your boyfriend. Um, it's only going to upset him and anger him. And, and that just, that just threw me, that threw me as if, as if, you know, you know, like that was something that, you know, I don't, why upset my, my boyfriend? You Why know, don't you just carry it around yourself? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was, it was crazy. It was, and these were all coming from people, you know, especially the people like, that I went with that well-meaning were respected, people. well-meaning, mm-hmm. respectful people. And, um, you know, I went home and I, I shared this experience with my now husband and he was very compassionate. We cried together and, um, you know, it's, it's still something that, you know, a lot of people don't know about, but, you know, I just, I felt the need to you know, maybe not get into detail, but to share that it did happen to me. And, um, and you always, no matter when something bad happens, you always think oh, that won't happen to me. And I'm, mm-hmm. and now I am part of that statistic. So right. it's, um, you know, I learned a lot from it. Um, but I'm still kind of burying it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, as time goes forward, I can probably discuss a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, well, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. That's thank you. Amazing. I feel comfortable with you. So oh, good. <laughs> well, I hope you feel comfortable with all my yes. listeners. Yes, too. I do. Hello, everybody. <laughs> well, I mean, again, like now, so I really commend you for sharing that experience. Thank you. And it is something that you have to work through. And like yeah. you said, it takes some time to get to that point where you're ready to share. Absolutely. Um, I have an experience. It's so, well, first of all, I just want to comment that the people who haven't been raped, haven't been sexually assaulted. I mean, I think every single woman has been harassed in some way. I don't think there's anyone who has not been harassed. 
Um, if you haven't been, let us know. Um, but I think the people who have not been sexually assaulted and raped are now starting to feel like unicorns. Like, I feel I have not experienced either of those things, and I feel incredibly lucky. Which and is so sad. It's bizarre. <laughs> so sad. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I have been harassed, like I said, and I actually, I had an experience recently, and I'm not going to get into too much detail, um, but no, it was just, it was like a pretty a small thing that happened, but had a big impact on me, and I didn't feel, I've always thought of myself as this big, bold person, I guess, and that when something bad happens to me that I would, like, confront it boldly, yeah. um, but when this small thing happened, I didn't. And I had this moment where I was like, am I, am I weak for not being mm -hmm. able to like boldly yeah. face yeah. this person? Um, and sometimes you're so much in shock. You're like, right. is this really happening? And you really right. have to process what's and going on. And that was actually yeah. really what happens. Like if, and it was also a person who, um, isn't very close to me, but is, yeah. is like in a circle that I travel in. Mm -hmm. And so from that experience, I was kind of like afraid of what would happen next. Okay. Um, and you question your senses right. too. You're like, did this just happen? Did, did he really say that? Right. Did he really do this? And you're, I feel you like know, if, you question your own sanity sometimes. Right. When it I feel like if the person was a stranger, I would mm -hmm. have no problem saying, making um, a scene. Yeah. Um, Isn't but, that strange? Just right. in any situation when you have, when you're around people, it's almost easier to be honest and to, um, to kind of call people on their stuff when it's mm -hmm. somebody you don't know. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have done that many times with people that I don't know. <laughs> I don't but, have a problem with that right. either. So. <laughs> but with a person that I did, I do know, it yeah. was it was difficult, and so I, I like I said, like you said, it's it took a moment to process. Mm -hmm. I was so shocked um, that I couldn't do anything in the moment, and now I'm still kind of working through, you know, the next step um, if there is one. Yeah. So I, I really, from that experience, had a lot of um, empathy for people that go through things that are, are much, much worse than that. And carrying that burden is unbelievable. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we've, I think that the Me Too hashtag of nothing else is getting the conversation Absolutely. going among people. Absolutely. Um, Definitely. But hopefully, and I don't know whether this is true, hopefully it's among people who haven't had the conversation before, who are needing to have it, or people that maybe weren't aware. Yeah. Um, and I think... A place where the conversation needs to happen is among men. I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. You know what's so interesting to me though, Kelsey, and I don't know if this I'm going off on a tangent, no, go ahead. but um, some of these men that, that do these these terrible things to women are fathers of young girls. Mm -hmm. And I just can't I can't put that together. I can't understand how you can love your own child or your own mother and respect them and not want anybody to hurt them and then to do this to another woman I, I just I but don't see, understand that I, I don't buy that though because okay. that shouldn't having a daughter or having a wife or having a mother as everyone does should it not, shouldn't be an should should still be a good human being right it should not be a justification yeah. Absolutely. but that does add a whole nother layer to it yeah. and there's actually um there's an episode of the show girls I was just thinking <laughs> about that where the, the Lena writer Dunham, yeah yes. Lena Dunham's character is yes. in a situation with and I'm sorry if you haven't this yeah. might be a little bit of a spoiler, <laughs> but it's only for one episode. Yep. Um, she meets with a writer who she very much admired, and he pulls some really, like, 
nasty yeah. stuff on her yeah. and it, it gets really weird and then in the episode his daughter comes home and she sees his behavior with the daughter and it's this kind of strange like compartmentalizing of yeah. the different parts of his life like he's very sweet and respectful to his daughter but he's not that way to with other women. Lena Dunham's character yeah. and it just I think it just comes down to what this all comes down to is power it's about yes. power yeah. it's never about I, I very rarely think it's actually about sex. It's about dominating someone, and yep. it's about power. And I think we've seen that with um, what has happened now with Kevin Spacey. Yes. Um, yes. And it, I, I can't remember the article that I read, but there was an article about how um, it was kind of like a comment on whether he was actually a pedophile or not. Um, but in talking about it, it really came down to, and I don't know, I... I I, that is like pedophilia when you're yeah. an adult and yep. you're preying yep. on someone who's younger. And I think the person he preyed on was 14, 14. Yeah. when he was 26. Um, but the root of it is power. It's knowing he had that power and that Over he could someone. get away with that. Right. Absolutely. And being in a more power, power, powerful financial position, yep. being um, more famous than yeah. the people that he encountered. Um, being like, and this comes back to Harvey Weinstein too, being in a position to ruin someone's career. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. All these things definitely come into play, and it's about power. Power. Yeah. It's sad. Mm-hmm. It's very sad. So, <laughs> I guess let's kind of end this this conversation yeah. on a positive note. I, and I, this is asking a really big question, but yeah. what are some things that we can do moving forward? I think having conversations with, um, with men, with young boys, mm-hmm. you know, teaching them from a young age that it's, it's important to respect women and to treat them as equals and to and to have fathers and, and other role models in their lives that show that. Don't mm-hmm. just talk about it, but truly show it. Mm-hmm. I think in, in teaching kids anything, just, you know, being good role models to that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think oftentimes it's not what is said to somebody, but what they see. Absolutely. What they see. Actions. Absolutely. Actions are important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, showing, you know, in... You know, different things like the, you know, paying, you know, women equally, different things like that, maternity, paid maternity, things that show women's worth, that show that, you know, women are respected and are, are just as important as men and, and, you know, showing just a better environment for for young young boys, too. Absolutely. So I think that's important. And I think part of the problem that, I mean, obviously the people, the men who are the ones you know, committing these, these terrible actions and feel comfortable committing these terrible mm-hmm. actions are the problem. But I think there's another problem with, like, the moderate man who's in between, who has, you know, maybe that friend in the friend group who does yeah. stuff like that but yeah. doesn't say anything to him. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that... It's that bystander. No right. bystander's innocent, in my, right. in my opinion. You can always jump in and mm-hmm. say something. And even just the way in which you talk about women. Right. You know, the, the words you use. Right. Um, I think is very, very important. So, uh, but also I think, you know, it's been touched on, you know, just in personal conversations, you and I, but um, women, women Mm -hmm. not, you know, supporting other women that have gone through this and coming up with excuses as to why a man would, would do this to somebody. I think that that's what's most upsetting to me, Mm -hmm. you know. There definitely is a culture around that of of protecting the um, perpetrator. Yeah. And I think we see this especially in situations where, um, well, I think I've seen this personally a lot Mm -hmm. in situations, you know, living in our sports town where it's 
an athlete and people say, well, she's just after his money. And that's like the assumption. And I've heard both men and women say that. And I think it's something to consider. Why would someone, I mean, there is a very, very small percentage of people who do come forward saying things like that, that are making a false accusation, but that is definitely not the majority. It's an underwhelming number. Exactly. Um, And I think maybe just assuming I, there, there's a quote that um, someone said to me recently that I think I may have said this on another episode that we assume that, you know, the, the perpetrator is innocent until proven guilty. And then we assume that the victim is guilty until proven innocent yeah, and they're dragged through the mud. Exactly. And, and it just, you know, when other women go through this and they see that, mm-hmm. you know, what is, what is, you know, giving them that, the feeling that they can be comfortable in, in stating what happened to them. Right. You know, and then when no... you see things like our current, sorry to cut you off. No, you no, see no, no, things no. like our current administration, yeah. um, Betsy DeVos is, has met with um, the accused, or no, I'm sorry, the, the people who have been accused. And in speaking with them, she's decided to, or they're, I don't know if this has actually quite happened yet, but they're working on rolling back some of the Title IX protections that Obama put into place. Um, in order to be, I think currently what has happened is you don't need, um, as much proof of evidence as you would for like a regular court case. Um, so that way kind of like give some, a leg up to the victims, but she's trying to roll that back and make it. So you do need to have the full amounts of evidence. And I'm not using proper legal terms here, but I'm trying. (laughs) You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Um, and so, I mean... Yeah, there's just, so that's something that's kind of like a, a setback, I would say, for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely, but I think leading through example is, mm-hmm. is huge. Leading through example, and and I think it's just as much, you know, something that us women have to deal with, but also something that men have to kind of mm-hmm. step up and, and really, it, it's, a, it's a conversation. I think sometimes, too, it's, you know, young girls, you know, you're, you're always taught by, you know, family members or, you know, elders just, you know, be careful. You're a woman, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you're, you're not walking, you know, outside alone, all of that, but they never really talk to young boys about Mm -hmm. this is what girls have to experience. This is what they're going through and, Mm -hmm. and letting them know, you know, sometimes it's not talking, you know, I was watching an Anderson Cooper, um, show one time and they were talking about race and how, um, you know, white children aren't talked to about race at a young age because it's an, it's not a thing to them. They don't have to experience it on a day to day. Whereas, you know, black children are, you know, are, it's something that has to be discussed from a young age. So I think, you know, letting, letting young boys know that this is something that is the female experience and and what can you do to make it better? Right. And that's, I think really where it starts because as you said, the conversation for young girls is, you know, don't walk alone at night, be careful, mm-hmm. like, don't drink too much, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but the conversation is never, and the vast amount of sexual assaults and rapes that occur are with people that you know. Yeah. People yeah. that are maybe in the home yeah. or in your dorm or a boyfriend or a husband yeah. even. And I don't think the conversation, I think the conversation very rarely makes it to the point where it's like a protection from someone that you know and trust. Yeah. And ha- absolutely. Like how and how to deal with that right. when that happens. Yeah. And I mean, I don't even know. I'm thinking like racking my brain right now, like I wouldn't even know where to begin having that conversation. Um, because it is a lot of times with someone that people know and know. trust. You hear you hear of all these 
unfortunately, all these mothers who have a new boyfriend in their lives right. and they're so happy to have a man in their life right. after, you know, whatever they've gone through and, you know, they have these blinders on and there's so many, even, you know, young boys, just young children that are, are being abused by this new boyfriend and, you know, they don't feel like they can go to mom or to, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. to family members. So again, there's that power, that power right. struggle. So it's about power. Yep. <laughs> well... Did we come up with a solution? I'm not sure. That um, we did. You know what? I, I think I think it's just discussing it, discussing it, yeah. and and speaking to our, our young, you know, male population right. is, is huge. It's huge, and leading by example, not Absolutely. just talking. Leading by example. All right, I like so, those solutions. Thank you. <laughs> so now we've learned a lot about Brittany already, yes. but now we're going to learn more about who she is. Um, so this is Brittany Heller, a friend of mine. She works full time in the health insurance field, and she's actually starting her own Reiki business right now. Um, so Brittany, why don't you tell us a little bit about what Reiki is, and then tell yeah. us a little bit about your business? Yeah, of course. So Reiki is an energy healing. Um, it's similar the way I would describe it. Similar to massage. Um, but it's it's just hands-on, it's not deep tissue massage, it's working with universal energy. Um, so I'm used as a tool um, to harness universal energy and then to, um, I don't know if you've heard of the word chi. chi oh, yeah. To, yes. to kind of, it's, it's similar to acupuncture where you're, you're moving chi, you're moving the life force energy throughout somebody's body and, and the goal is to um, keep them as balanced as possible. Um, I think people oftentimes when they hear Reiki, um, you know, if they even know what it is, um, when they hear it, they think it's some sort of witchcraft, that it's some sort of, you know, hocus pocus. Um, but it, there really is um, some great science behind it. I do believe that touch, just touch, simple touch is very important to humanity. Um, and and I do. I use touch in my, in my Reiki practice and I feel like... Um, Sometimes it's it's simple, just being touched and just just to let you know somebody know like you're I'm here you're here I'm healing you, and and let's work on this together. You know we're humans. We all have so many, you know different things that we struggle with, and I think oftentimes um, the body, mind, you know spirituality is all very much connected. Um, and what really got me into this, um, so I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety at a young age. Um, so I've struggled with that my whole life. It's something that's not going to go away. It's something that um, that I'm just going to have to deal with throughout my life. I've, I've done a lot of things to to help myself. I'm very proud of myself for, for what I've accomplished despite anxiety and depression. Um, and then I recently was diagnosed a few years ago with fibromyalgia. So I have a lot of pain issues as well. So I think anybody in the healing field um, gets into it for themselves first. Mm-hmm. I think to, to see what they can do for themselves, to see how they can heal themselves, how they can make their life better. Um, and then through that, I think really powerful healers or people just in general that work with people are people that have experienced what, what they're trying to, trying to heal. You know, people who have pain, who have anxiety, depression, you know, people have been through that. I think a lot of times, you know, you see, and I'm, you know, work in the medical field, so I work around a lot of doctors and nurses and you know, and just my personal experience being in the hospital at times, you know, when you don't see compassion and you don't see that these people actually care about you, it's a totally different experience. It really is. You know, to feel like you can trust somebody and to feel like you can be open with them is, is so important, in, in my opinion. So I, I really got into it for myself at first um, to heal myself. Um, I don't believe that anyone is, is healed completely. I think it's a day-to-day 
Um, I do Reiki on myself every night. Uh, I fall asleep halfway through doing that because <laughs> it's so relaxing to me. Um, but for right now, I've I've done Reiki on family and friends. I just am starting to run a group on um, for anybody that's interested. Um, it's it's not an overwhelming feeling that you get when you have it done. It's it's very relaxing. Um, it's you know you might experience some things like numbness, um, you know, some warmth, coolness. Um, the way my husband describes it is that it feels like you're you're awake, but you're sleeping at the same time, which is kind of a, a cool concept. Um, so it's, it's really different for anybody that's, that's experiencing it. Um, I also feel like it's kind of when you go and you work out for the first time in a long time and you're like, Oh wow, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize I had that muscle there. That hurts. I, I think when you do Reiki, it, it makes you realize, okay, there's things within my body. There's energy sources that I didn't realize existed or I didn't realize were off kilter. And I think sometimes when you feel, start to feel better and you realize, oh, this is what I'm supposed to feel like, that, you know, it, it makes it worthwhile, so to speak. So um, the name of my, um, my practice is Rafa Reiki. Mm -hmm. So Rafa in Hebrew means healing. Um, I feel very connected to my uh, Jewish roots and, you know, to that side of the family. Um, and I think, I think that, you know, anyone that's interested, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm starting off. You know, I'll, I'll cut you a deal. I'll even, you know, do, do some for free, the first, you know, couple for free just to just to make you feel comfortable with the process and to get that, the word out there, I think, is is really important. So that's where I stand Great. right now. Yep. Uh, um, you can reach me um, through email, blhreiki, R-E-I-K-I at gmail.com. And also I'm writing a group on currently as well. So. Say the name of the business again. Yep, it's Rafa, R-A-P-H-A, Reiki. Awesome. Yeah. Why yeah. don't you walk us through, um, like if someone were to come to you for yep. Reiki, walk yep. us through like the whole process. Okay. So you'd come in. Um, I'd probably ask you, you know, what was going on, you know, medically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, like I said, Wait, I'm going to cut in for just yeah, one second. So I, I've gotten acupuncture before. Yes. Um, and We actually go to the same Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> um, something that I would love to... Uh, comment on is that when you go to like a medical doctor yes. um they kind of are just like okay like what's wrong with you yeah and that's kind of it um I loved so much when I went to acupuncture how it was so holistic and she basically asked me every single thing that has ever happened to me yeah, and yeah, like absolutely. any places that I because I went for one specific ailment I went for my allergies and she ended up asking me about all these other things that I've experienced and so we were treating like all of these different things at the same yeah, time yeah. when I initially went for just one thing. Absolutely. It's interesting mm -hmm. you say that. So there is a concept um, with Reiki and just any type of, you know, holistic healing that there are certain parts of your body that hold on to different traumas throughout mm -hmm. your life, um, different emotions. There's different parts of your body that are um, connected to different things. Your throat chakra is connected to feeling like you can speak openly. Um, your heart chakra, self-love. Um, so there's a lot of things that you might have experienced in your life that are still needing healing. And then therefore, I would focus on a certain part of the body. Um, but yeah, I like to know as much as possible about a person. I think that's important. I think emotion and spirituality, um, in, in whatever way you interpret that, is, is important to know about somebody. I, I know for a fact my fibromyalgia is linked to anxiety and depression and, and vice versa. You know, when you're in pain, you're depressed, you're anxious. So I think you're right. Looking at the whole person is, is very important. So, you know, kind of getting to know them. 
Um, and then really the process is usually between a half hour to an hour, um, just gentle touch on different parts of the body. Um, you know, a couple, a couple, um, you know, spiritual sayings that you say to yourself and, you know, clearing the room. Um, but really just trying to make that experience, you know, worthwhile for the person in any way that, that they find necessary. Um, sometimes we, we speak so negatively towards ourselves. And I think sometimes going in and having, you know, a, a health professional just saying, you know what, you, you're doing awesome. You rock. Like, you know, I love this about you. You're, you're doing, you know, despite everything you're going through, you're, you're strong. And, you know, health professionals don't do that. They don't give you that, that feeling of, you know, validation. You need to hear that from people other than sometimes other than, you know, um, you know, loved ones, just hearing that from somebody else to feel like, okay, we're all connected here. We all want the best for each other. Mm -hmm. As cheesy as that sounds. I'm, I'm very cheesy in person, so. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, okay. I think the world needs a little bit more yes. cheesiness. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Definitely. So yeah, that's it. Um, if anybody's interested, you know, email me, call me, and Absolutely. I'd love to treat them. So. So does your... So what kind of like ailments would people come to you with? Is it just anything or is yeah, it Yeah, I mean, specific? basically anything, um, headaches, um, pain, um, even, you know, mental health stuff, depression, anxiety. Um, I mean, really, really anything. anything and it's mostly them. chronic pain. Chronic right. or, or it can be something that's, that's mm -hmm. acute at the time. Um, I mean, if you have like a broken leg, yes, don't no, go to no, yeah. So Reiki is not going to solve the world problems. This right, is how right. I feel. I am going to be very transparent right now. I'm on an SSRI for depression and anxiety. I see a psychiatrist. I um, see, you know, I go to massage once a month. Reiki hasn't hasn't uh, solved all my world problems. It's just another added thing that helps right. me. It's just part of... It's part of the, of the healing process. Right. And I think that's what people need to realize is that... And, and what I've realized too, and it's, it's a struggle, and I don't know if anyone else who's listening has experienced this, when you have you know, any type of mental illness, any type of pain, you're, you're stuck in between these Eastern and Western philosophies that mm -hmm. don't like each other. You know, you're told by you know, the West traditional medicine, oh, that's all hocus pocus, that doesn't really work. And then you're told by you know, Eastern medicine, oh, you know, pharmacology is, is wrong, and, and um, you're just part of this, you know, this scam, and, and it makes you feel bad. It makes you feel bad. And, and really, there's so many good things about both, both parts that, that whatever works for you, it works for you. You know, you have to function in life. You have to be able to get up and go to work if you <laughs> right. can. You know, and if it takes somebody in SSRI to do that, you know, God bless them. You know, if they're, it's about quality of life and, and people need to be, you know, less hard on themselves. But I think, you know, the medical community on both sides needs to realize there's some good parts to each, to each mm -hmm. and to learn from each other. I think that's how people heal is to have, to have both sides working together. Right. And these so. are all like pieces that fit into overall health. Yes. Exactly. And that's, I like what you said that you, you, you need to maybe rely on a little bit of both to have a quality yeah, of life. And absolutely. like, like I said, I went to acupuncture for my allergies. Um, but I do have like a lot of medication for them as well. Mm -hmm. And so on days where it, you know, it's just like a really bad day and I can't breathe, I yep. have to use, you know, yep. the, the medication that I have just so I can breathe throughout yeah, the day. Exactly. Um, and, and we live in a, in a, worlds where we have to, you know, we have to go to work, we have to, you know, keep up, we have to, you know, if you have a kid, you have, you know, there's so many expectations of us that we have to fulfill that, you know, if we, if we had the time and the money just to sit around and experiment with different, you know, different things, we would, but right. you know, it's, 
unfortunately the life we live is is to function and to get to work and to to live a life and to you know so we don't have that luxury to kind of experiment all the time you know mm -hmm. that's so absolutely you have true to be realistic about it it so. would be nice if we had time to slow down a little yeah, bit and absolutely. try out different things so that's I got to a point where because I've tried like many things over the years different like health crazes mm -hmm. or whatever yeah. where I've gotten to a point where I'm like I think I'm doing too many things yes yeah. like exactly. my morning routine was just like thing after thing after thing and I was like well this is just stressing me out yeah. trying to get all these healthy things under my belt before the day starts so <laughs> in the meantime you know, you're stressed out for right. trying to yeah to eat healthier and so you have better. to do what works for you moderation and, right it's simple a little bit of everything exactly um there's a question here it says does your business organization serve women specifically in any way I think that Reiki serves everybody and everything, just in general. Um, you know, this might be a little foofy for some people, but Reiki, you, you can do Reiki on your houseplants. You can do Reiki on your family dog. You can do Reiki on, it's, it's energy. Everybody is made up of energy. So I think that's important to know. Um, as far as females, I think that um, in Reiki and in different energy type healing, there's that belief that we are both parts equally feminine energy and masculine energy and to function at your best is to have both working together um, so I think whenever you're off balance in any way I think that having both is is really really important um, and I'm not assigning you know energy to gender or to sex I'm just saying that there are certain universal energies that that work together for better and, act, and actually it's, it's interesting I was reading up on this the other day um, that in, in Judaism, the thought of God is actually not masculine or feminine. It's, it's a, a philosophy of, um, of both energies working together, which I thought I was kind of really, really interesting. Um, because usually, you know, where the stereotype is the masculine man with the white beard, you know, mm -hmm. in the sky. And I think that the um, father, the father. Yes. But, um, I think, you know, depending on people's, you know, philosophy and feelings, I think, you know, it, just anything in life, it's good to have that balance mm -hmm. in, in Congress, in, in our schools, and families, life. It's good to have a balance of different types of people, different energies, and that's what makes things better. Did I mention you should vote on Tuesday? <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> to have proper representation. Absolutely. So, yeah. so I would say that. I would say okay. that anybody or anything would, would, um, would really benefit from Reiki. Um, and two, unfortunately, in our society, I think stereotypically women hold on to things more. We're not allowed to get angry. We're not allowed to speak candidly as much as men are. I mean, even in, in mental illness, you see men who are depressed or anxious show it in, in different ways. They get angry. They, they take things out on people. Um, women, unfortunately, because of society, tend to, to go inward. So I think anytime you go inward with things, you're not releasing that energy. You're not releasing those those bad toxins in your life. So I think I think stereotypically women tend to hold on to more. So I think that they would benefit maybe even more from mm -hmm. Reiki and that release. Absolutely. So, so tell us one more time um, where we can find you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Groupon under Rafa Reiki. And um, you can email me at blhreiki, R-E-I-K-I, -I, at gmail.com. All right. Uh, so now yes. we're going to learn more about you. Okay. <laughs> so, right. Brittany, nice. tell us your story. My story. Um, it's funny because I, people who know me would say that they know my story. I am an open book. 
I have always lived my life that way. In fact, if if I'm quiet and I'm not sharing, then there's something wrong with me and you should probably ask what's going yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say I am a very genuine person. This is just who I am. Take it or leave it. This is Brittany Heller. Um, I, I think what people don't realize is that I do struggle on a daily basis with this pain, with the anxiety. Um, but I try not to let it control my life. Um, you know, I'm very proud of myself. I just recently got promoted, um, at Landmark Health. Yay. Um, thank you. Thank you. What a, it's a great, great organization. Um, and I work with amazing women. Um, a lot of women who are very business oriented, who are mentoring me, who are teaching me a lot, but at the same time, they are the nicest, kindest people. And I think that, you know, that's important in business is to have, you know, a business mind, but also a good heart and to share. People aren't going to want to work for people who are jerks. It just doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah, I just recently was promoted. I'm, you know, I'm, I struggle every day with this stuff, but it's something that I try to, you know, keep a, a positive mindset. And, and I think what is hard in our society right now and that I'm struggling with, and I'm sure a lot of women are struggling with is, is the lack of, of people being candid about their lives. I think oftentimes, you know, people who know me might say, okay, she shares a little too much. She might open up a little too much. She's, she wears her heart on her sleeve. Um, but I'd like to be a light to other people. I'd like people to see the struggles that I go through and, and things that I go through and say, you know what? Life isn't perfect. Life is messy. Okay. And I think the hardest part that I think our generation goes through is social media. Social media, going on social media. You know, you have, of course, the one or two people that are like, my life sucks, this is terrible, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you usually ignore that. But it's almost like an advertisement for your life. And oh, you're only, that's an interesting way of yeah, putting it. I you're, like that. Yeah, you're only looking at the good. You're mm-hmm. only looking at the smiles, at the, the good moments and the capturing of those moments. And I'm like, just live those moments. Mm-hmm. Just live those moments. And, and I feel the pressure, you know? I mean, I went to you know, an apple orchard with my husband recently. He's like, well, I got to take the Instagram picture. I got to know we're picking apples, you know? And it's, it's, um, it's hard for women and for men who are struggling with, you know, maybe they were recently, you know, let go at their job or they're having difficulty getting pregnant or they're, you know, there's, there's real life things that go on. And, and I'm not saying, you know, share all your dirty secrets on Facebook, but it's, it's, it's hard to go on to those sites and to see, you know, you know, I just want to let people know this isn't reality. <laughs> this right. isn't, it's something you know what I mean? that our generation has to cope with yeah. that other generations have not had to cope with. And I, I think of it in terms of like a couple different things. Like when you were in high school and whoever that person was that broke your heart, mm-hmm. you didn't have to see them with another yes, person immediately. So yeah. And that's the thing. And even like you know, the other day, I this was maybe, like, sometime in the last two weeks, I, like, woke up feeling pretty good, and yeah. then I was like, all right, I'm just going to go on my phone real quick, and I go on Instagram, and I'm scrolling through, and I'm, like, having all these terrible feelings. I'm like, well, I want to travel there where they are, <laughs> and I want to eat what they're eating for breakfast, yeah. and I want to do this, and I want to do that, and my life is terrible, yes. and it's not. My no, life is really not. great. It's and, not, and you don't yeah. see... The struggles that those people are going through on the side, you know what I mean? Right. Those are those are the things. So I, I'm not saying to for people to you know to look at the 
the dark things of everything, but to just be honest with other people so that when they do have hard times that, that you feel, you feel comfortable. But I would say that social media is in most cases, not the place to do that. And that's true. Cause there true. are those yeah. people that are complete over sharers, mm-hmm. people that I haven't seen in, you know, literally 20 years where I can tell you every single detail of their lives because yep. they put it on social media. That's very true. Um, and that's, I mean, if you are, every reaction that you have, if you're putting your emotions out there for not just, you know, your closest to mm-hmm. see, for the world to see, People are gonna I think that's opinion. dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say, though, too, just in, just life in general, not just social media, I think, um, you know, having conversations with people and it's, it's everybody's prerogative. Okay. Like, like I said, I'm, right, right. I'm more open and honest. So it's hard for me then to understand people who aren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think just in the struggles that women go through and people go through, I think sharing those struggles, mm-hmm. you know, with people is, is important so that they realize that, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing, this is, this is humanity. This is what we go through on a daily basis. I do think in some ways social media can be a great place to connect for people like that. People that are finding other people that have the same struggles and connecting with them. I haven't really had that experience over social media. Um, because most of the time I, there's like a big gap where I forget, like, I don't think I've posted on Facebook in the past like six years. I'm terrible. there's just like a gap, but some people there are, I've witnessed some like really great communities of people, you know, been, people who have had eating disorders, yeah. like come yeah. together and Absolutely. talk about it and Absolutely. really like push through it together. And, you know, people who have missed, have had miscarriages, like find other people yeah. that are going through the same struggle. Exactly. So I think it can be really positive. Absolutely. You just have to be careful about how you use it. <laughs> how you use it, how you share it. And just, just to remind yourself that, you know, everybody, everybody goes through stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and that's okay. That's mm-hmm. okay too. It's good to look at, at, um, the dark side of life to appreciate the good. Oh, absolutely. And that's cheesy too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have like a list of quotes yeah. afterwards, but we'll, we'll post it on yes. social media. Yes. <laughs> um, so here's the daunting question. Okay. What does it mean to be a woman in 2017? It means a number of things. I think it means, I, it means to, to try your hardest to do the best that you can under certain, you know, certain roles and expectations. And I think sometimes there's that fear of just never being enough, no matter, or not making the right decisions, you know, um, whether you decide to have children or not, whether you decide to stay home with them or go to work, um, whether you're a traveler or you're a homebody, you know, different things that I think, and I don't like to compare, but I will say that it's a lot easier for men to, you know, experiment in their life and to, you know, go down different roads and and to not have the same repercussions as women. Um, Well, I don't think there's, like, necessarily the layer of judgment um, for what men do. Like, women, if they have children, like, a lot of things are tied to their children. Like, oh, you're a bad mom if you do this, but you're a bad mom if you do that. And men... You're never quite right. You're never quite enough. The thing that I think would be questioned and Mm -hmm. men would be ridiculed for in some cases is if they decided to stay home or decided to take an extended paternity leave. Um, But otherwise, I feel like there maybe isn't a lot of judgment around that decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that. I would say just try and trying to do the best that they can in an environment where they're 
scrutinized, mm -hmm. I guess, is, is what I would say. Absolutely. So yeah. what does that mean for you then? For me? Um, I struggle with it all the time. I think, you know, I'm at the age, I'm going to be 30 where I'm like, <clears throat> I'm feeling that me, you know, it's just my own personal maternity want of having children. Mm -hmm. Um, but also saying, I want to go to Ireland. I want to travel. I want to do all these quote unquote, what people say selfish things are. I want to experience life. I want to do this. Um, and, and unfortunately, um, just we don't have that luxury as much. You know, men can be 50 when they have children. We have to really, during these years, decide, you know, make a huge life decision, you know, in, in a certain amount of years, you know, and right. it's, it's, it's a struggle. Absolutely. Um, so that's, that's definitely something that, that I go through all the time. Um, also, I would say being a young female in, in a, you know, working environment where there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot more women in in healthcare now, which is wonderful. Um, but still, I work with a lot of you know men and a lot of doctors and a lot of you know. There's still that kind of old school mentality that you can feel. So you know, I'm coming in bubbly, short blonde, young girl walking in, and you know, when I was going out for this promotion, um, one of the nurses pulled me aside and said, "I think that you would be great at this job, but I think the perception in this office is that people don't take you seriously." Which is frustrating to, to be a kind individual. And you know what? I don't care what people say. I think being blonde has something to do with it too. I'm just going to put it out there. And I think just being just a nice person, people don't always take you seriously. And it's, it's sad that, that you have to have kind of, there's that, you know, dichotomy for women sometimes. You're either the, you know, raging bitch <laughs> who, uh, you know, has no feelings and is, you know, just taking life. And then you're, you're the woman that's, you know, sensitive and, and doesn't want to, you know, do anything with their lives. And there's so many people in the middle. There's, that's, that's the, that's the norm is somewhere in the middle, you know? And I think we've, I've heard that from many guests or yeah. many women that I've talked to that, especially in business, um, that sometimes it's hard to be yourself and yeah. get ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You do feel like you have to kind of, um, be business minded and not um, not always so open, which is something I think is my vice and my virtue. You know, I think that you know I can tend to you know put a little bit you know more shield over my heart. But I don't know. I don't think I'd be as lovable. <laughs> <laughs> That's I do like that you put it all out there. Yeah, yes, thank you. <laughs> I would just like to say I think the type of women that I admire the most okay. are. Um, you know, multifaceted women, people, women that don't feel like they have to compromise themselves. You know, like I said, I, I have a mentor at work that I really look up to and she has no problem with um, laughing at herself. She has no problem with admitting her faults. Um, and she has a quiet confidence, which I really admire. I think, and no, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I like the Joan Jets and the Courtney Loves of the world who just <laughs> rock on guitar and are just, you know, you know, strong kind of ballsy women. Um, but I think it's the women that, that have that quiet strength that I really, really admire. I really do because they, they have that quiet strength, but they're also approachable and they're also kind and they're also gentle hearted. And I think, um, I think you can be strong and have all those other great qualities as well. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also like to add, I think that you know, growing up 
with, um, you know, so my mom was Catholic, my dad was Jewish, so I kind of grew up with uh, two religions in my life. Um, I would say my pride for my, for my culture, my Jewish culture, I think, has really kind of come into play in my life. Um, you know, there's that stereotype of the Jewish princess. Um, and I think that's so far from what the reality of a Jewish woman is. You know, Jewish women had to struggle a lot in, in, you know, throughout history and have had to, been, had to be very strong and have had to do things that normally, you know, other women, women might not have had to do. Um, and there's a strong sense of unity and, and there's a strong sense of, um, you know, motherhood and, and just being a woman in general. I think that has always played a big part of my life is, is my Jewish roots. I think that, um, you know, I look at my Bobby, that's uh, Yiddish for grandma. Um, she, she only spoke Yiddish um, for the first 10 years of her life. Um, and she grew up with her mom and her, um, her grandmother um, her father, unfortunately, had schizophrenia, was actually um, in the B Buffalo Psychiatric Center her mm -hmm. whole life. Um, so to, to be in a country and to not know the language um, and to, you know, really, you know, any, any type of um, person who's coming into this country that, that doesn't know the language or the culture and just, you know, keeping that sense of themselves but also learning new, new things, I think is... Um, is so important and I, I really um, I really look to it's not the people throughout history that I look to to um, give me confidence and support it's it's really my family and my friends and um, just the day-to-day -day people that I that I go through and, and I see and so that's what I would, that's what I would say. <laughs> All right. I like it. Um, so we're going to go into stories of subversion. Um, and so I think Brittany kind of covered hers already. So I'm just going to share mine for the day. Um, so who, the person I'm going to talk about is Carmen Yulene Cruz Soto, who is the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, and I think in like the mainstream media, she was largely unknown until recently, until Hurricane Maria hit um, Puerto Rico. But I'm just going to tell you a little bit about her background and then just comment on some of the things that have happened with her recently. So she's affiliated with the popular Democratic Party um, in Puerto Rico. They have, um, even though they are a part of the United States, they're a U.S. territory, uh, their political party affiliation is a little bit different than what we have. They don't necessarily have Republican, Democrat, what we're used to here. Um, and she did go to college in, in the mainland, in the, the continental United States, and that's where she was educated. And then she really started her political career in 1992, and she was the advisor to the mayor of San Juan at the time, Sila Maria Caladron. And they had a woman mayor then. Wow. Interesting. I love it. <laughs> uh, and then in 2008, she became part of the Puerto Rican House of Representatives, and she became speaker in the Commission of Women Affairs um, as well as on many um, other committees. Um, and then there it was kind of like a, a rocky, strange road that led her to being the mayor of San Juan. Um, she kind of denied that she was running for a while, and there were, like, candidates dropping out of the race and kind of, like, an odd situation, but then she did become the mayor in 2012, and she has been the mayor since. Um, and so then, in on September 20th, 2017, this year, um, a nearly Category 5 level hurricane, Hurricane Maria, um, hit Puerto Rico. And it the wind and the rain pounded on 
Puerto Rico for over 30 hours and most of their infrastructure was destroyed, um, including their infrastructure that um, gave them electricity and a lot of buildings were just demolished and it really just ravaged the island. Uh, and just to give you a sense of the population, there are 3.4 million people living in Puerto Rico. That is a huge number. Um, and in San Juan alone, um, there are 389,714 people, according to the 2011 census. Um, so this is affecting a huge amount of people, people that are Americans. And so in response, I've seen video and picture of pictures of Mayor Cruz in the streets wading through floodwaters. Um, and she really became kind of a spokesperson. So I think many of you have probably seen her or at least seen her on Twitter or heard of her on Twitter. Um, she became a spokesperson for the people of Puerto Rico. She was on TV and like I said, on Twitter pleading for help because people were dying and people still are dying right now, which I will talk about in a moment. Um, and so there's this quote from an interview from 2014 in which she says, politics is a rough game. And sometimes as females, we are taught that you have to play nice. Sometimes you can't play nice, which I think ties into some of the things that Brittany was just saying. Um, and so she didn't play nice. Now she needed supplies for her people. She, there were people dying. There were hospitals without power. And she put the word out there for what they really needed, and she fought for it. Um, and she did get some backlash and people have made comments about her, um, to which she responded by wearing a t-shirt that said nasty woman on it, or maybe just the word nasty. Um, but she literally was an advocate for her people at, that lived in San Juan. And we really, I just can't emphasize this enough. We can't take our eyes off of Puerto Rico. This was not that long ago. And there are people who are still in crisis. Two thirds of Puerto Rico still does not have electricity, um, and they don't have clean water. And so they're people that need our help. And so I just want to recommend if you can, um, donating, uh, specifically, I would recommend donating like money at this time to, um, the United, United for Puerto Rico, UNICEF, um, Hispanic Federation's Unidos page, um, and just any place you can find that is helping them. I know that there are a, a many drives going on where people are, I just donated to one this week that's collecting um, bottled water and um, feminine care products for people in Puerto Rico. So just do what you can to help. Um, these people really, really need it. And this is the crucial time. Um, I mean, in the initial impact of the hurricane, I think the, the number was maybe only 10 or 13 people who died. But now this is the time where they need it. People going for weeks and weeks without clean water, people for going for weeks and weeks without electricity. Um, they just need our help. So I'm just appealing to my listeners to help out in any way that you can. So that's our story of subversion, Carmen Yulene Cruz Soto. So Brittany, thank you so much for being of here. Course. Thank you for having me. Before we go, just tell our listeners one more time where they can find um, your Reiki business. Yep. So you can either find me on Groupon under Rafa Reiki, R-A-P-H-A Reiki, or you can email me at blhreiki at gmail.com. Thank you so much for being here. I think we had a really great conversation. I think we did too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, don't forget, you need to rate, review, and subscribe, please, um, on iTunes. And you can contact us through Facebook at Womankind Podcast, on Instagram at Womankind Podcast, and visit our website at www.womankindpodcast.com, or email us at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.